Welcome to Journeys of Teaching. I'm Aaron R. Gearhart. This week, we will explore the journey of Miss Courtney Stepp, a kindergarten teacher at Benson Hill Elementary in Renton, Washington. Courtney holds a master's degree from Seattle Pacific University. I met Courtney in a Facebook group called Educators for Anti-Racism. The biggest time difference of anybody I talk to, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of the things I've gotten used to being on the West Coast, um, having kind of a, a international slash multi-state, you know. Yeah. I'm, I'm from Illinois originally. We just moved to Georgia in, I guess it would have been like early July. So okay. that one hour time difference has been even an adjustment for me. But yeah, this is, this is a little... Through bit. her work as a kindergarten teacher, Courtney seeks to confront oppressive systems head on. As she shared in our conversation, she became aware of systemic racism and societal oppression at a fairly young age after her family relocated. So I got my bachelor's degree in 2006 and I which was the recession and so I spent four years looking for a job and yeah and so then I ended up moving um, back to Montana to teach um, and I taught fourth through eighth grade in a two-room schoolhouse and then I came back and I finished my master's in 2013 and left the profession Um, because I couldn't find a job. And I was working at an insurance company when um, the principal called me for this position um, on a Friday at the end of September. And I got, I started that day. And then that was six years ago. Oh my gosh. Well, I'm glad. And it seems that you're, you're pretty passionate and happy with the work you're doing from what I can tell on your Twitter. It, I I am. It's, um, It's something that I have had to wrestle with and understand how do I, like, how do I teach these kids about oppressive systems and um, that the world is not, the, the world is realistic. I don't, um, I don't see like my classroom is like their real world. And so I don't see it as separate from like what I experience outside. Um, you know, but the, what took me a while to realize is the work had to start with me and then, and then I could make it work in the classroom. Um, I've always known that, understanding other cultures is important. Um, I've always understood that you have to have empathy. Um, I was raised with that quality, but I didn't understand how I was a part of oppressive systems. And um, one of the first things that really um, kind of started the shift in my thinking is And I can't remember exactly which came first, but um, I read Just Mercy by Brian Stevenson. And I was like, wow. And then I read, um, oh shoot, what is that other book? I, I read The New Jim Crow. And I started, that was like the system that I started with, interestingly enough, like the, the, the criminal justice system. And then I had heard the buzzword, like the school to prison pipeline. 
And, but I didn't really understand what that meant. And then um, I had a friend or a a fellow educator um, who is black and they said, you know, well, it's not my job to educate you. And I was like, okay, I got to figure something out on my own. And so, um, and that was all kind of at the really beginning of my career of teaching kindergarten. Um, And so from there, it just was a lot of figuring out how to educate myself, a lot of figuring out how to listen to others, um, how to not, how to break some of those um, explicit, implicit biases that I had grown up with and developed. Um, and figuring out what that meant for my kids because um, this year is kind of the exception, but I do not represent the population of my students that I teach. Um, my wife's I have, starting to have that experience this year now that we've moved, and that's been an adjustment for her as well. Where she, mm-hmm. it happens, Columbus, where we live in Georgia, very large community, and she's at an elementary school, lower income area, primarily African American, because mm-hmm. I'm seeing how a little bit segregated the city is. The more I've lived here, so um, it sounds like similar situation for you. And you're in, is it Renton, Washington? Yeah. And where is that in relation to Seattle? So I'm um, I'm on the other side of Lake Washington. So I'm I'm about 15 miles southeast of Seattle. We probably drove right by it then, because when we visited Seattle gosh, seven years ago, we drove down to Mount Rainier. That would have been south, right? right? Yep. Okay. Cool. Yep. So I'm I'm about an hour from Mount Rainier in the summer. So beautiful. That's when we went was the summer, and it was yep. weird to see snow in June. Being from Illinois, I'm used to seeing snow many months. But June one one of them. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, it's my favorite place to hang out. Beautiful <laughs> in there, the I winter. <laughs> you know, yeah, I I can imagine. So going back to what you were saying before you had that kind of that struggle of not representing or being part of the population you're serving in your classroom. Is that what kind of spurred you to do that self-education and that introspection? Is that part of where that came from or was it coming from other other places as well? Where did that come from that kind of, cause that's a push most educators don't take and certainly don't take as early in your career seemingly as you are in terms of the position you're in now at least. Mm-hmm. It's, um... It was part of the motivation um, because I like growing up, I grew up in a very, um, we moved from like West Seattle, which was very diverse culturally and ethnically and racially um, to a town up North, which was about as white as you could get. (laughs) And that was probably my first encounter with racism. Um, And when I moved down here, I knew, I, I, I knew it's, it's interesting for me. There are things that I've known that are important, but I don't I didn't always understand why, like, and I didn't understand the impact. And so I would say that first teaching in a very diverse group, I mean, I have seven on average, seven languages in my classroom other than English. Wow. And yeah. And, um, 
you know, students who identify um, a very, from many. Rewinding a little bit, you said you moved to um, a less diverse community when you were younger. Like, can you walk walk me through that a little more again? And some of the examples of like when you first started to notice racism in society. Um, yeah. So I was eight. I was in third grade. Okay. And um, I was I was mad because I moved and I left my friends. Um, sure. School became not a safe place for me any longer. Mm. Um, and what I noticed is all the kids were white in my class. And growing up in West Seattle, I was one of the only white kids. <laughs> And my parents, um, my parents just taught me to treat everybody equally. And, you know, it's what's on the inside that counts. And, you know, um, and I noticed that people who were labeled as different, whether it was an academic difference, a physical difference, um, uh, were, were just kind of outcast. Like I noticed that. And um, it was a very elitist community where if you wanted to, you had to be already good at your sport in order to participate. You had to already be good at playing your instrument before you joined the band. Um, And those were not resources my parents had, you know, and I definitely wasn't poor. I was definitely white middle class. Yeah, me too. Two adult, a mom and a dad at home, pick a fence. you know yard no dog (laughs) um and i just i just noticed that and i was like i was like how am i like what why wouldn't i be friends with these people you know and um and these kids and then a little bit later i babysat for a family down the block and um they were they were the only black family in the neighborhood Mm -hmm. and I didn't think anything of it. I didn't know that I was supposed to be like scared of them. Um, And when I was about 18, they moved, um, they moved out of the neighborhood. And, you know, of course, when I was 18, that was my sole source of income. And I was like, Oh man, but I knew that, their race had something to do with why they had to move. And then, of course, the last um, few years, as I've um, educated myself and um, understood the systems that oppress um, marginalized populations and people of color, I I now understand why they had to move, you know? And, um, And so it was just a very, like, elitist, Um, It was a very big, now I can say it it was a big example of white supremacy culture in in the town I grew up in. And it's still very much. Courtney's journey to her current critical teaching practices involved self-education and analysis, recognizing her own biases and the systems and policies that uphold racism and oppression all around us. Through this self-work, she was able to prepare to engage in tough conversation and design instruction and learning experiences with a critical justice-based lens. We will explore some specific examples of Courtney's teaching practices on the next two episodes in this podcast feed. 
You can follow Courtney on Twitter at Miss C Step. That's M S C S T E P P. My contact information is in the episode description. This is Journeys of Teaching. I am Aaron R. Gearhart, and thank you for listening. Thank you.